Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Death Thing Podcast with you, your hosts, Nicola and Sean. And in this episode, we've got the infamous, in, infamous, 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 whatever that word means, uh, <laughs> links episode. So Sean, what are your three links for this week? All right. Well, my first link is a blog post called The Math Behind Reading 30 Books Per Year. And this is on some guy's website who spells his name weird. It's uh, Nikola Brezhnev, something like that. Um, hey, that my, sounds familiar. Yeah, he's my co-host on this show. And um, <laughs> he he told me this really cool thing one time. It's one of those things like James Clear, right? He tells you something. And after he finishes telling you the thing, you know two things. One, I already knew that, obviously. And two, I get it now. So, uh, you told me this thing a while back, and it's true. People wish they read more, uh, wish that they had more time to read. And you're like, you know, if you read 10 minutes a day, you know, then you'll read, say you read it this speed, that's this many pages, and you read that every day. By the end of a year, it's how many books, and you could do the math, and it's very simple. You will read at least dozens of books per year if you can spend, you know, five, ten minutes. And if you're, and as those of you who have heard the James Clear post, if you go from someone who wishes they read to someone who is the kind of person who reads, even if it's five minutes a day, it's very easy to accidentally kind of maybe read 10 or 15 minutes a day instead of the five. So... You're just going to get a lot more out of it. It's incremental. You build the habit. So I had this in my my bookmarks, my history, and I thought, even though it's a little bit self-serving because it's by one of us, it would be a great link to share. So that's my first link for today. Awesome. Thank you very much for sharing. And you know, as uh, James told us the other day on the podcast that we did with him, uh, the thing is, you just have to make Name it- dropper. <laughs> of course. You just have to make it- basically as easy as possible to start so you know in the post i go and i say you know five minutes or whatever but here's the thing if for you one minute will cut it do it and as you just said as a side effect maybe like even the month or two after you started you'll want more that's awesome so yeah do it people. yeah read it while you while you brush your teeth for two minutes or whatever <laughs> you get the kindle app on your phone all right what's your first Awesome. So my first link is um, actually titled Atomic Habits, Breaking Bad Habits, Building Good Ones with James Clear. So you're like, now what? Yeah, this is uh, so a guy that I follow called Johnson Mez. Uh, he currently changed his um, YouTube channel to now be named instead of like jo Johnson Mez to Bulldog Mindset for whatever reason. Uh, and he did this podcast or well actually video recording or whatever with james clear and they talk about you know his new upcoming book and that may be interesting to you know you guys however i would argue that ours was better but you know anyways yeah ours is definitely awesome all right my second one is called worse is better and i'm wearing a shirt and it says new jersey style worse is better which is kind of funny because I'm from New Jersey and New Jersey gets kind of a bad rap as being not that good. But there's actually an old thing that goes back to, I don't know, I want to say like maybe the 70s or 80s. I don't know. Anyway, there's New Jersey style and there's MIT style. And it's all about the trade-off 
between correctness and I guess simplicity or um, functionality. So MIT style, it's more important to completely satisfy the spec, have every feature, have it completely functionally complete where Jersey style, it's better to have something that works and is out than to have something that's perfect. Because as we all know, the perfect is the enemy of the good. And there's a, it's just a, a Wikipedia article about it, which I just think is great. Awesome. Cool. And, you know, all this talk about, you know, New Jersey people being cold and stuff. Ah, I don't buy it. Just, you know, my experience, totally different. So I don't believe you guys. Cool. So my second link was how I climbed a 3000 foot vertical cliff without ropes <laughs> by uh, Alex Honnold. And it's crazy. Like, if you even think about it, I mean, honestly, unimaginable, unimaginable. And the guy goes and, you know, it's literal. So this is a TED Talk, uh, 11 minutes or so. Listen it, listen to it, because honestly, I was like, oh, dear God, like, this is all that we've been talking about, you know, preparing multiple years for this one event where you're going to do this awesome thing. And sure it's not we don't do this thing where we climb a mountain or whatever but the same you know perseverance kind of like mindset the guy definitely has it and you know two thumbs up for that it's awesome and he you know talks about how he did it what was you know his process what was what were his fears and stuff like that really i hate to use the word inspirational but in a way it was yeah it's just a, it's a great word it's just overused a bit all right my last is called The Best Programming Advice I Ever Got with Rob Pike. It is from 2012, and it's on the Inform IT website. And he talks about back when he worked at Bell Labs, which was uh, many years ago, that he was working with another developer, and it was Ken Thompson. Uh, some of you may have heard of him. There's a little, uh, you know... I guess irony there with Ken Thompson being having the role in his present life that it does. So they were working together and Rob Pike was the newer, fresher, younger guy. And he was pair programming with Ken Thompson. So actually last time we, when we talked about pair programming, I said it really wasn't a thing when I got started. It must've been, I just never heard of it because it was a thing probably like 30 years ago. Anyway, uh, Rob Pike was a faster typist, and Ken was standing behind him. They worked together. A lot of times stuff would break. They'd make mistakes, cause bugs. And whenever something broke, Rob Pike would immediately fly into action. He'd be looking at everything. He'd be, like, sticking in print statements, looking at stack traces, just anything and everything he could think of to figure out what the problem was. Whereas Ken Thompson would not. He would stop and think without looking at the screen. And more times than not, he figured out the bug faster. So the lesson there is, and this is crazy now, but stick with me. What do you think? Thinking is very important in programming. Awesome. Awesome. So Here's the those thing. are mine. Awesome. Uh, I love it. And I want to expand on this a bit. Uh, 
you know, when we do interviews and then I see the guys, you know, um, they come in, they're nervous and everything. And I tell them there will be no coding challenge, live coding challenge. And immediately they go like, oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah, because like, honestly, real quote unquote, real developers, they like to get a task, sit down, think about it, think some more, and then actually go and write something. And again, okay, you know, I got to be honest and say, is there a place for people who do these live coding challenges very well? Yes, it's called Google and maybe Facebook and, you know, places like that. But for all other places, I would argue real developers, quote unquote real, who didn't like for the past year, just learn on, you know, these algorithmic uh I don't know, challenges, whatever, just to be able to pass that kind of a interview. We like to take our things, I would say, slowly and actually think about them. So again, this is that thing. So what else? And when you say there's a place for them at places like Google, do you mean that there are some people that are kind of better than the rest of us at that and they might get to work at Google or that only places like Google require this bullshit part of the interview process and therefore if you can or want to do that you might as well go interview there instead of here so here's the thing um i honestly don't know why they do it like i have no clue do they really want to get people who are able to um, do this without any prior preparation i would argue not or do they really want to people uh, for people who actually work there or want to work there to spend i don't know some amount of time to learn how to do these challenges and then hire them. And here's the thing, I do not know, and I would really like to know, do they really use this on a daily job? Like, you know, I'm not sure. And I honestly, again, if I, if we ever, like even remotely try to add life coding challenges, especially doing with algorithms in our uh, hiring process, I'm quitting. <laughs> Well, I have never in my life needed to know anything about a linked list or a doubly linked list ever, except for some fun puzzle or, you know, a book that that's full of things for helping you prepare for a coding job interview. But in real life, I mean, I have never done embedded development. I've never created an operating system. I've never created a programming language. I've never worked on low-level networking. I've never worked on drivers for video cards, sound cards. So there might be a lot of people that need to know how to do that stuff. It's just in my career, which has been primarily in web and database development, I haven't needed to know it. So I just can't imagine that every employee at Google actually needs it and uses it. Cool. But then, of course, the question comes, why would they uh, require this for each and every developer? Again, if each and every developer does indeed go through the same hiring process, which again, of course, I guess we don't know. Anyways, I don't want to drag this one onward. Uh, my last link was uh, 2018 Ionic Developer Survey, which like literally simple survey, few questions, uh, after which they will, you know, gather all the responses and show... Of course, the results, uh, the questions are more like, you know, are you using Ionic? What other backend services or whatever you're using? And the results are always interesting because a lot of people actually do these surveys. So I'm really looking for the actual results. So yeah, those were my three links as well. Very good. We've once again wasted our listeners' time by 
pointing out something they could have found on their own. Yeah, but hey, you know, as we say, this is curated content, so you don't have to go and search for it yourself. Yes, I'm joking. We're always trying to provide value. Absolutely. It's, the podcast is guaranteed to be worth at least double what you paid for it. <laughs> exactly, right? Okay, guys, uh, this is it for this episode. Uh, talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the DevThink Podcast. You can contact us at info at DevThink. That's D-E-V-T-H dot I-N-K. Now, go accomplish something.